0: Good evening. Uh, Welcome. It is Sunday, the 17th of January. It is five o'clock. We're going live at five. Uh, Apologies to anyone who missed the email because I've sent it about five seconds previous to this moment. Um, And so, if you're joining us after five o'clock, some other point in this evening or or later in the week, um, hi, welcome. Uh, My name is Richard. I'm one of the leaders at Kingfisher Church. Uh, This is our, our Sunday evening. Uh, Bible study um, uh, yeah, uh, and yeah that, that, that's what we're here for. Uh, we're looking this evening at Proverbs chapter 24. Uh, we're going to start at verse 3 uh, and we're going to work our way through to verse 22. Uh, as we as we come to this um, I wonder if you're feeling confident. Are, are you confident? You know, if if you're not feeling confident and you do want to feel confident, um, according to scienceofthepeople.com, it says this If you want to feel confident, own your own body and own the space around you by standing or sitting tall. Keep your arms loose and by your side. Place one or both hands on your hips. Uh, Relax your shoulders, down your back, open your chest. These expansive postures will show others that you're confident and sure of yourself. You're doing it. How does it feel? Ridiculous, utter nonsense, isn't it? Complete nonsense. (laughs) This is saying if you want to be confident, you'd be confident by pretending. You make yourself. Look confident, adopt the body posture of confidence, and there you go. Then you'll feel confident. Total nonsense. And the gospel of Christ, the gospel of Christ is the most confident, inducing reality. Believers ought to ooze confidence, but not by doing anything like what science of the people tell you. Are you confident? Now let's bring that question to God's word. I'm going to read for us. I'm going to pray first because we're going to need God's help as we look at, at his word. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, uh, we praise you that you are the God who comes to help those who are weak and needy. And Lord, whenever we open your word, we are recognising that we are weak and needy and we need our Heavenly Father to speak truth to us thank you that in your word we have truth and please would you open our ears to hear and would you soften our hearts to be moved and molded by your word please bring your truth to us please help me to speak plainly and but despite the weakness of what I say by your spirit would you take the power of what you say and bring bring your life to us do good to us and do it for the name of Jesus Christ your son. And we look to you to help us now just for these few moments we have with our Bibles open this evening. Amen. Proverbs chapter 24 and starting at verse 3. By wisdom, a house is built and through understanding it is established. Through knowledge, its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. The wise prevail through great power and those who have knowledge muster their strength. Surely you need guidance to wage war, and victory is won through many advisors. Wisdom is too high for fools. In the assembly at the gate, they must not open their mouths. Whoever plots evil will be known as a schemer. The schemes of folly are sin, and people detest a mocker. If you falter in a time of trouble, how small is your strength? Rescue those who are being led away to death. Hold back those staggering towards slaughter. If you say, but we knew nothing about this. Does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who guards your life know it? Will he not repay everyone according to what they have done? Eat honey, my son, for it is good. Honey from the comb is sweet to your taste. Know also that wisdom is like honey for you. If you find it, there is a future hope for you, and your hope will not be cut off. Do not lurk like a thief near the house of the righteous. Do not plunder their dwelling place. For though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. But the wicked stumble when calamity strikes. Do not gloat when your enemy falls. When they stumble, do not let your heart rejoice. or the Lord will see and disapprove and turn his wrath away from them. Do not fret because of evildoers or be envious of the wicked, for the evildoer has no future hope and the lamp of the wicked will be snuffed out. Fear the Lord and the King, my son, and do not join with rebellious officials. For those too will send sudden destruction on them and who knows what calamities they can bring. Let's keep our Bibles open. As we look at this, um, to start with, let's see, I think I have some headings um, that may help us a little. Here we go, it's our first heading. Confidence in grace. Uh, Let's begin here, let's uh, look at verse 13. We'll use verse 13 as our kind of entrance into this passage. Eat honey, my son, for it is good. Honey from the comb is sweet to your taste. Now, what we find here is that this dad says to his boy, he says to his boy, come on, boy, come on, get a load of this. Come on, son, get get some honey, put this honey into your mouth. I, I remember feeding Josie, my oldest daughter, when she was young, when she was still a baby, feeding her um, mashed potato, baked beans and cheese. Oh, it was delicious. I could have eaten it myself. So, so yummy. And, you know, for me as a dad, I was just i was just tickled to be giving my daughter something that was so delicious. Honey. Honey is astonishing stuff, isn't it? It's amazing. It's, you, you can eat it straight from the bees. Uh, in the ancient world, they thought it had medicinal properties and maybe it does. But honey tastes so good. So, so we have in Proverbs this dad who loves his boy says to his boy, come on, son, come on, get some of this. Eat honey. It is amazing. Why do we have it in Proverbs? (laughs) What do we do with this? It's here in Proverbs because it's giving us a a, a picture of the gospel. The gospel puts before us something that is so good, so lovely, so wonderful. And then it invites us to eat verse 14 unpacks the picture it says know also that wisdom is like honey for you if you find it there is a future hope for you and your hope will not be cut off we today come to proverbs at the end of the ages that's the time where we find ourselves the proverbs were written before the coming of the christ we live after the christ event So so let's see how how this picture in Proverbs of honey eating gets filled out. What is the honey? We come to the New Testament in Colossians chapter one. Colossians chapter one, um, verse 12 says this. The father has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. There's some honey, isn't it? Honey, isn't it? Look at the sweetness here. Qualified, not self-qualified, but graciously given rights to share in the kingdom of light and and rescued, brought to the beloved son, brought to into the beloved son it says in him we have redemption in him our sins are forgiven and our hope is cemented secure that's what god has done for you that's the honey that is held out to you in the gospel because it's held out there's the honey how do we eat it well for, for the church in Colossae that, that that paul was writing to in colossians they heard the gospel that they heard the message of hope And this is what they did. Uh, Paul Paul, Paul writes in the letter in verse four, he says, we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven. Uh, In our passage, it says wisdom is like honey. Or, Or even better, I think, wisdom is like eating honey. Now, what is wisdom in Proverbs? Proverbs 9 tells us the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is a life gladly, wholly submitted to the Lord. In the New Testament, we call that faith in Christ Jesus. Now, why would we eat the honey? Why would we go and find wisdom? Why? It's because we have come to know the glorious grace of God in Christ. And and because of that, we, we abandon our hope any hope in ourselves we abandon hope in ourselves and we trust everything to the hands of jesus christ have you done that have you done that have you tasted how sweet is the name of jesus see that's the grounds of our christian confidence our grounds is that we are not sweet but we're not able to qualify ourselves we can't forgive our own sins Of ourselves, we have no right to claim a place in the kingdom of light. But Christ, he is sweet. Uh, When we trust Christ, when we eat that honey, when we fear the Lord, we are filled with his life. We're filled with his merit. We're filled with his redeeming power. We're filled with his word. That's where our confidence is. Christ is our confidence. He's the sweet, sweet sound of the gospel. Tastes good, tastes so good. But what, what then does eating the honey produce? And what does wisdom produce for those who find it? Now, Colossians chapter one puts that same question in the terms of fruit. What fruit does the gospel produce in those who believe? Now, if we're, we're going to be gospel confident people doesn't mean we puff our chests out and put our hands on our hips. Now, if we're going to be gospel confident people, what does it mean? What, what What's the fruit of eating the honey? The, the, what does it produce? What does, what does a life of, of wisdom produce? Well, well, let's work through our passage and uh, notice three things from our passage, three things that this eating of honey produces. Uh, and they, they each build on each other. Here's the first one. Confident to please Christ. Confident to please Christ. Uh, In our passage, look at verse three. By wisdom, a house is built. And through understanding, it is established. Through knowledge, its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. A house building is a picture of life. This picture is saying that wisdom constructs life what kind of life does wisdom construct well back in proverbs 3 verse 19 we saw this same trio that we see in these verses of wisdom understanding and knowledge but back back in proverbs 3 wisdom understanding and knowledge that was describing the process god's creative process in establishing the world there's there's this connection we're to see between god's creative activity and a life produced by wisdom a wise life building is reflective of the activity of god it is a restoration of the image of god in man it's what we were made for by wisdom a house is built that is when 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 fallen sinners turn to trust christ they start to construct their life on christ So in Colossians chapter two, it says in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So so we start to construct this life that is on Christ. We we start to fill out the rooms of our life with treasure. That's what verse four says, isn't it? The rooms are filled with treasure, the treasures that we get from Christ. This is a, a picture of a life built into the image of Christ. By wisdom, a house is built. Now, let's let's use Colossians 1 again to kind of translate that to us. By wisdom, a house is built. What does Colossians 1 say? Well, Colossians 1 verse 9, Paul's prayer is this. For God to fill you with the knowledge of his will. He, He wants these Christians to know what God wants, the knowledge of his will. How will that happen? Well, it comes through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gifts you notice that trio that we find in Colossians in in Proverbs sorry that trio of knowledge wisdom and understanding a wisdom is is submitting the whole of life to the will of God wisdom is is that the the skill of, of of living in active obedience active dependence upon the Lord it is to trust in the Lord with all your heart lean not on your own understanding in all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. So that's the wise life, trusting the will of God, trusting the will of God entirely and exhaustively and exclusively. And So in Colossians, as Paul prays for this, this knowledge, wisdom, and understanding, he says what that produces. The product of this is so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. Wisdom builds the house. That the house that wisdom builds, the life that draws from Christ to be like Christ in order to please Christ. Wisdom builds the house. But you know that's a bit unspecific, isn't it? Proverbs doesn't like that. Proverbs doesn't. It doesn't like to kind of float around in theory. Proverbs likes to to put faith into the. into the the grit of the ordinary into the everyday into the practical you see grace gives us confidence let's let's see how that confidence plays out When, when we hear in proverbs about wisdom building a house maybe already your mind goes to jesus's story about the wise man in matthew 7 matthew 7 jesus says everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house upon a rock Uh, our passage is using that kind of imagery of a a wise man constructing life on the words of christ but then jesus develops the story doesn't he He doesn't just say the wise man builds a house he he says the rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Jesus' story is saying the house of wisdom is built for adversity. Our passage does exactly the same, and yet it shifts the imagery. If you look at verse five in our passage, it says the wise prevail through great power. And those who have knowledge muster their strength. Surely you need guidance to wage war. Victory is won through many advisors i don't think this is advice for an actual war not really that useful if you actually want to use this to go to war and just like using verses three and four if you actually want to build a house isn't that much use it's fairly vague but the the purpose here in verse five is to show wisdom gives strength in times of adversity wisdom gives strength when you are up against it And, and and note that what we have is wisdom and knowledge again wisdom and knowledge are the things that give strength wisdom and knowledge produce strength okay let's have that in mind and let's come to colossians chapter one again to help translate that for us what do we see in colossians chapter one so we have in verse nine prayer that god would fill you with knowledge wisdom understanding And then it says, being strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, so that you might have endurance and patience in the storm, in the battle, in the war. Wisdom provides the strength to endure. Now, if we are going to be gospel confident people, it means we build on Christ, we build this wise life, this Christ-like life, the kind of a life that will stand firm in adversity. Again, we want to ask what does that What does that look like? How do we move from generalities into things that are a bit more specific? Well, let's keep going through our passage in Proverbs, our next heading. confident to please Christ confident to love like christ okay let's use that let's get a bit more specific here we're looking at verses seven to twelve there are two things happen in verses seven to twelve the first thing is that we 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 begin to look at what happens without wisdom and verse seven introduces it wisdom is too high for fools now fools are those who refuse to submit to the lord they they, they trust their own understanding. They plot their own course through life. That's the fool. So, so we, we move to think about what life is like, not for the wise, but for the fool. And we also shift into a kind of space of public relations, how people relate to one another, how we relate to society. Verse seven speaks about what happens in the assembly at the gate. That's the center of the community. Now what happens there what happens in the center of the community well verses seven to nine give this description of some of the dangers of a godless community uh, what happens in a society where people are self serving and 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 they they push themselves up and they push others down see for for a person who's trying to build a wise life in that kind of context, this gives a situation of adversity in verse ten we Zoom in onto one of those situations. We zoom in in verse ten to a time of trouble. What's the trouble? Verse eleven, people are being killed. That's the trouble. People are being killed, and the instruction is rescue them. Rescue those who are being killed. the The instruction, the very practical instruction, is make the plight of other people your concern bring good you are to bring good to those who are being oppressed and and the difficulty to do that is to overcome a concern for yourself see if if you're going to intervene rescue one who is being killed it it will mean putting yourself in harm's way and what, what verse 11 does is it takes this pretty extreme example of people being slaughtered and and it's kind of saying that if you should intervene then in, in that kind of situation with all the intensity and danger involved in that situation, well, how much more so in lessons? The point is in verse eleven, get involved in acting for the good of others. And verse twelve bats down the excuse, the excuse of saying, but we didn't know you see what we're dealing with here is the fruit of the wise life life lived under the fear of the lord the one who weighs the heart verse 12 the one who knows our flimsy excuses. verse 10 says if you falter in a time of trouble how small is your strength to to love like this courage is needed confidence is needed to love at personal cost and that's how christ has loved us You see, how is it that for us, how how, how is it that in Christ we have the forgiveness of sins? We were being led away to death by our sin. And then Christ came in love and he took that sin and he was led into death for us. And and, and as Christ did that, he had no regard for his personal comfort. But he loved in truth. His, his, His love was that. Pure love that laid down his life for his friends. And we are his friends. He loved us. And as he has loved us, so we are to love others. You see, that the confidence we get to love like Christ comes from being loved by Christ. The confidence we get to love like Christ comes from being loved by Christ. But but, but how do we not falter in the time of trouble, in the moment of loving like that? How do we not falter? How do we get the courage to do so? That's the practical issue. Now, when we have that opportunity before us to do good to another, but it's going to cost us. It's going to threaten our comfort. And and if we say, oh, but we, we don't see opportunity to do good. If we say that, we've got to be so careful that we're not found to be in verse 12. We didn't know. Why didn't we know? Because we weren't looking, because we weren't noticing. But what if doing good costs us? Let me take such a simple little example. What if if doing good for someone meant to pray for them? That would cost It takes time. It takes effort to pray. Prayer isn't easy. It doesn't come easy. Easy to say that we'll pray. Very difficult to do it. And, and you know, nobody really knows whether we do or whether we don't. Apart from the one to whom we pray, which is kind of the point here, isn't it? But how, how do we? How do we not falter when it costs us? How can we love like Christ? We love like Christ when it comes from being loved by Christ. Verse 12 says, how small is your strength? And we feel that. But verse 5 has already told us where strength comes from. It comes from wisdom. But we draw it from Christ. Verse 10, sorry, says, how small is your strength? Verse 5 tells us where strength comes from. We draw from Christ. if we lack the strength to love like Christ, let's not ignore that. Let's not walk away from it. If we lack the strength to love like Christ, let's ask for it. How are we going to do that? Will we love like Christ? For how much? How, how far will we go? Now the, 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 the reality of it will hurt. Now, the reality is that if we're not losing in love, then we're not loving like Christ. If we're not losing in love, then we're not loving like Christ. It's hard to deal with. That's hard when the hurt increases, when loving takes it out of us, when we are worn down by our compassion for other people, when we're burdened by their sorrows, when the losses build up. Hard to keep going hard to love like that. well let's let's keep following our passage forward our next heading confident to love like christ confident to endure like christ confident to endure like christ the the second half of our passage verse 13 to 22 really kind of drills into the reason for our confidence so verse 13, we're, we're, we're back where we started, with the honey, with the, the sweet offer of grace, take wisdom, get the fear of the Lord, trust the Christ. And verse 14, there is a future hope for you and your hope will not be cut off. Your hope will not be cut off. I think about how that produces confidence saying the future is sure how often do we need to remind ourselves of this daily hourly my future is safe say it to yourself my future is safe my hope will not be cut off why Colossians 1 says Christ in you the hope of glory that's why our hope that's why our hope is secure it's secured by Christ christ in you the hope of glory we trust him to have won for us entrance to glory we trust christ to be the way to life we trust that all heaven's joys are ours in christ and what can take it from us your hope will not be cut off why because your hope is christ nothing can rob it from you now verse 16 is astonishing look at verse 16 it says it says though the righteous fall seven times what's what's this telling us it's as the righteous. Well, the righteous in Proverbs are those who are rightly connected to the Lord. They go to the Lord for refuge. That's how Proverbs describes the righteous. And, th- and then it says they they fall seven times. Seven is a, a number of completeness in the Bible. It's saying they They fall in such a way that they have suffered this complete, overwhelming calamity. They are utterly demolished. They fall seven times. They couldn't fall any more. They couldn't fall any further. They couldn't be any more down. But what of it? Then they rise again. Oh, my friends. Just like Christ did. You see Christ here, Christ who fell seven times, Christ who was overcome by all the forces of darkness, Christ who was consumed under the wrath of God, Christ who was beaten and crucified and dead. He was utterly dead and buried and endured all of that. He knew he was going into all of it. He set his face like flint towards it. He knew he was going to be falsely accused. He he knew that after that, that mock trial, he knew what lay ahead of it all. And he committed himself into the hands of his father and he prayed in the garden, not my will, but yours be done. And endured it, endured it all. And he fell seven times completely. And after he fell, then he rose again. And now we who trust in Christ, we who have Christ in us, we're called to endure. We're called, as Colossians 1 says. Be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you might have endurance and patience. We're called to endure. How do we endure? Well, our passage warns us against dangers that come in times of trouble verse 15 says do not lurk like a thief near the house of the righteous do not plunder their dwelling place you see when we are under pressure our inclination is to reach and grasp for what has not been given or maybe our inclination is to reach and grumble for what has not been given look at what they have Uh, in times of pressure our prayers twist and distort we don't pray your will be done we pray my will be done that's not to endure like Christ. look at verse 17 do not gloat when your enemy falls when they stumble do not let your heart rejoice ah again this is what we do isn't it our hearts when we are pressed we start to compare ourselves to other people we look over our shoulder at the person next to us we love it when the rich and the famous fall. Now, we we love that, don't we? We love to read the articles to relish the gory details. Now, why do we do it? Isn't it it just because we, 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 we feel, especially when we're under pressure, we feel that we deserve better? And now I wonder whether we so often love to see the fall of others because we just have too high a view of ourselves. There's so much we are different to the Lord Jesus Christ. the Lord Jesus who had every right to have the highest view of himself. But when he looked out over Jerusalem and he considered this this city, this people who were estranged from God. He considered this people who Christ himself would be their judge and he would condemn them. As he considered this people, he did not gloat, but he wept. How will we endure when times are hard? not by comparing ourselves to others, not by thinking that we're hard done by. We endure when we think of ourselves with sober judgments. And we remember all we have is because of Jesus. That's it, isn't it? All we have is because of Jesus. But for the grace of God, our fall would be final. It's only in grace that we stand, only in grace that we endure. And we, well, though we may fall seven times, by grace we will rise and so verse 19 do not fret because of evil doers or be envious of the wicked sometimes it looks so much better for us not to follow christ but that is short-sighted christ endured the cross the shame of it because of the joy set before him he was not short-sighted he endured because he saw beyond the cross And we endure like Christ when we see beyond the tumult of today and we remember the sure glory that is to come. Are you confident? Believers should ooze confidence, not puffing out our chests and holding our arms in a particular way, not trying to appear it. We are confident as we look to Christ, not confident in ourselves. But as we build our lives on Him, as we seek to love like Him and to endure like Him, because all we have is Him. So here's where we go, isn't it? The end of our passage, verse 22: Fear the Lord and the King. Fear the Lord and the King. Trust ourselves. We trust ourselves to the One who judges justly. He will put right all that is wrong. And so, even though for a little, even though for a little while. We have to endure all kinds of hard things. Even these hard things will prove to be for our good. So, What do we do? I think Colossians 1 models it for us by putting it into prayer. Colossians 1, Paul prays, We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will, through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience. Our Father in heaven, please would you help us to live and to die in the confidence of Christ. Amen. Thank you for joining with me this evening. Um, We're going to take a brief pause next week, just for some practical reasons. We were not going to have a live at five next Sunday. Uh, We will continue to pick up the week after. And may you know the blessing of our Lord.